This is episode 488 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, How to Create a Threat Map. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by Audible. Now Audible Books allows you to listen to the best books when you are on the go. I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks while I stay busy doing other things. And just like my podcast app, Audible's app makes it really easy to manage your audiobooks and pick up where you left off. So right now they are offering five free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a trial period. That is an awesome deal. So if you have been on the sidelines, don't delay and take advantage of this offer. You might even want to see if your favorite apocalyptic fictional author has a new book out. And don't forget, after the trial period, if you don't continue on with Audible, you still get to keep the five downloads. For more information, click the link in the show notes or go to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com forward slash Audible. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from survivalsullivan.com and the title is How to Create a Threat Map. So I'm going to go ahead and read through and then I will come back at the very end with a few thoughts. So let's get started. A big part of planning responses to a given disaster or crisis is working out where you'll go and how you'll get there. Depending on the circumstances, we may need to avoid choke points on roadways, concentrations of people, likely locations of rioting and looting, or potential obstacles that will prevent us from making best speed. Serious preppers often know their locality pretty well, but most will fail to take the extra step of mapping out points of interest in areas of concern on an actual map. Mapping out things like your primary, alternate, and contingency routes in and out of your hometown, as well as other relevant info, will serve to give you a much better view on your positioning and plan in its entirety. Furthermore, paper remembers what the mind forgets. In this article, I'll give you a step-by-step guide on creating and marking up your own threat map to aid you on your quest for readiness. That way, when disaster looms, you will not need to trust your memory. So concerns and considerations about a threat map. We'll get this out of the way before we begin. Most of us in the self-sufficiency and prepping sphere are well acquainted with our associates and relatives stereotypical picture of preppers in general. The isolated, wild-eyed, furtive, and neurotic person who is the subject of friendly or not-so-friendly mockery for behaving so far outside the acceptable standard of normal society. This caricature is often of a boonie-hatted and camo-clad outdoorsman, one with stacks of green ammo cans and pallets of freeze-dried everything inside a secluded and moldy home far, far from prying eyes and the man. The piece de resistance in the comic is, of course, the giant map of his living room wall, crisscrossed with twine, studded with pins, and threateningly slashed with red marker. Be honest. However, most of us might feel about prepping, we desperately want to avoid 
that stereotype. And we definitely don't want to be that imaginary guy so often derided. And so, however useful a customized map may be for our own plans and procedures, we don't make use of it. And so, however useful a customized map may be of our own plans and procedures, we don't make use of it. We don't pick one up, print one, or anything of that sort. That marker-covered map feels like becoming that guy. I get your reluctance, reader, but this is a bad idea. Like anything else we do, we do with the honorable and completely well-adjusted reasoning of keeping ourselves and our family safe, or at least safer. A marked-up map will help you do that, as will a stash of ammo, food, water, lights, batteries, and more. Let your relatives and friends have their fun. They will be singing a mournful tune when the other shoe drops. Do what you need to do, and remember, it is no one's business but yours if you are worried about appearances. So why a map in the first place? As I mentioned above, a threat map is simply a map appropriate to your cause that has your own notes, highlights, outlines, and other pertinent markup on it. This map forms an important tool for analyzing, refining, and codifying your plans for evacuation, escape, and even sheltering in place. Your map will note and display any possible obstacles, dangers, and risks that may affect or even derail your plans. Over time, as your plans change and evolve, your threat markers will change to reflect new conditions. Your threat map can be as simple or as complex as you want. Some, like a minimalist outline of major hazards and their first best road out of town, Others like intricate overlays of data to be called on and puzzled over. While too little data is useless and too much is overwhelming, you can lay out your threat map however it will serve you best. Ultimately, your map will be a precious reference tool when you are confronted with a developing situation, one with more or less complex factors that you must successfully negotiate to survive. You can consult your map to help you decide on the right course of action and route, if applicable, instead of trying to hold all those factors in your head. Consider this. Professional soldiers, adventurers, and others involved in dangerous situations all rely on maps with additional info besides roads and terrains on them. Why wouldn't you? So what kind of map do I need? Well, that depends. Keep in mind more than one might be useful, say one for your region and one for your town or city. You may have a road atlas marked up for longer distance travels and a topographical map to cover your on-foot or deep country planning. Start with the map of your town or city, one that is printed with major roads, public installations, major terrain features and types, and so forth. Considering that you may not always need to bug out, and indeed sheltering in place is often the best idea if practical, this makes the most sense to start with. Remember, we protect against the most likely threats first and branch out from there. So should I use paper or electronic maps, and how big should it be? This is a personal call, but I strongly recommend you keep a paper copy or printout of your most current maps at all times. As reliable and portable as our electronic devices are these days, there are too many situations that can render their use impossible or tricky. Very little is as convenient as whipping out a paper map when you need to consult it. 
That being said, electronic maps work well and are convenient so long as you are proficient at utilizing your device and the power holds. Additional perks could be things like a navigation overlay or real-time updates on traffic and other information. As far as size, the best size is whatever makes the most sense for you. Large maps will obviously afford better detail and resolution, as well as more room for intricate markup, but have the disadvantage of being harder to store and carry. You could hang it on the wall somewhere in your home. Folding and rolling are options to make larger maps more manageable, but will degrade the map over time until it gets bad creases or a permanent crimp. Not the end of the world, but something you should be aware of. All right, so let's mark this thing up. So what are you going to mark on your threat map and how should you do it? If you are using an electronic map, you can use any built-in tools on your mapping app if you have them or convert the map into a file format compatible with graphics editing or graphic editing tool. Paper maps have more options. If you are marking on the map directly, you can use whatever you want. Pens, pencils, markers, highlighters, and crayons are all viable. Take care that what you use to write on your map does not bleed so badly that it obscures anything important on the front or back of the map. You might overlay the map with clear, a clear page protector or acrylic sheet to allow you to write on it with dry erase markers or grease pencils. This has the advantage of allowing you to change and update your markup as your plans and threats evolve without using a new map. But obviously, markings of this kind are not indelible, so you'll need to protect your map a little more from anything that could wear or wash your markup away. Now before you go jotting down whatever crosses your mind onto your map, take a minute to gather your thoughts and align them with your goals. What do you intend to accomplish with your threat map? What details are most important to you? Will you be recording a lot of data or only a little on it? How will you indicate the data? Color, pattern, symbol, or something else? Your map should be easy to understand at a glance, if only to you. Adopt a system for your markup, and if you have a variety of colors, patterns, and symbols included, consider creating a legend for the map. So below are a few items you might consider marking on your map, and my thoughts on indicating each that can serve as a guideline for creating your own. Don't be afraid to deviate from my recommendations. I am not using any standardized official methodology, military regulation markings, or anything else. Such things may add value for some, but for the majority of civilian preppers, they are unnecessary. So you might want to mark up high crime areas. Areas in your locale that have a reputation for turning out criminal activity should be marked on your map as any event that halts police activity or provides cover for criminal enterprises will see crimes increase, often with areas immediately around bad sectors affected the worst and quickest. You should be avoiding these parts of town at any rate if you have any choice in the matter. I like to mark the course boundaries of these areas in orange on my maps and lightly shade the interior or run a few hazard stripes through it. Keep in mind that crime is not delineated by any border streets and will readily spill over into more affluent or safe areas during or after a crisis. A good neighborhood is only good until some scumbag strolls into it. You might want to mark down ingress or egress routes. 
You should have a minimum of two routes into and out of town from your home or workplace marked on your threat map with attention paid to likely sources of slowdown or any bottlenecking that may occur. Pay attention also to putting as much distance between your route and any rough parts of town as possible. Think carefully about how your route will be affected by a mass of panicking, fleeing people, or which ones might be shut down or throttled by authorities in a crisis. I highlight my routes in light blue and fill in any detours as a dash line that will take me around potential roadblocks or similar obstructions. You might want to locate potential obstacles, roadblocks, and bottlenecks. Narrow roads, bridges, and traffic-prone thoroughfares may become easily blocked or vehicle-restricted in an emergency. Additionally, roads and paths that are easily to render impassable should be illustrated also if they are a potential route out of town or to a home. Ones that have such features as very steep shoulders flood easily or are lined with large trees. Any of those may become showstoppers for all but the most capable vehicles. I mark these items in red along my blue route shading and usually with a tiny illustration of the hazard for easy ID at a glance. You don't need to go overboard and do this for the entire map, only the routes that will see you in or out of town. You might want to mark safe havens and government buildings. I mark all safe havens where I can expect security, resupply, or other aid on my map in green with a small note if the map does not have a symbol for it already. Things like hospitals, police and fire stations, EMS stations, and city government installations. I also mark locations of my closest friends and family members where I know I can get a port in a storm and to make sure I can find an alternate route to them in case they are imperiled. Now, I'm aware that some folks consider major government and civic installations to be places to avoid in a disaster for a variety of reasons, from disease or possible targets or dealers of violence. This is a personal choice, but I advocate that we prepare for what threats are most likely to occur. Following that reasoning, most situations will see any of the above as centers where you can get aid or rescue, and I plan accordingly. So you might want to mark down disaster hazard zones. So mark any natural terrain features or man-made structures that could feature prominently in a crisis as a major source of danger on your map. This could be things like a nuclear or chemical plant that will release who knows what into the wind if it should explode or burn or a floodplain around a river that becomes notoriously impassable after heavy rains. Near mountains, you might mark the path of a likely avalanche or areas most vulnerable to lahars or pyroclastic flows near a volcano. Know what the biggest threats are in your area and understand how far their effects can reach. I mark these hazards in brown according to the nature of the threat. I will outline a floodplain or landslide zone like I do a high crime area. I will mark man-made installations with a symbol representing them and then an arc of projected effect according to the most common prevailing wind conditions in my locale. This lets me plan my movement or escape according to what areas are most likely to be impacted or rendered impassable. You should obviously change your priorities if you find out your home or office is in any of these affected zones. Other things you'll want to include on your map. 
locations of ATMs in case they're working and you need to make a quick cash withdrawal, locations of vending machines so you can grab a few extra supplies, roads with steep slopes because they might be hard to drive through, particularly during winter, unless you have a solid 4x4 bug out vehicle. So what about updating and using your map? As your plans change and threats evolve or recede, update your map. Also, update your map with any observations that might indicate a new threat or point of concern. If you notice a road dealing with much more traffic than before and backing up a reg on a regular basis, you can depend on it being far worse in an actual disaster. Change your route or just mark the sluggish stretch by itself. Places and buildings that are regular sites of protest should be marked as hazard zones or perhaps removed from your list of safe havens if they were on before. You don't need anything to do with teeming masses of stressed out, agitated people in kind times, much less when the stakes are far higher. Now, when updating your map, don't make too many corrections, markouts, strikethroughs, and the like before ditching it and recreating it. All those marks and scribbles get confusing quickly. If you used an erasable ink or grease, then you are good to go, obviously. But take care that you completely obliterate any prior markup that needs removal. A crisis is no time to second guess that dashed line or errant squiggle. So once your map is updated and set the way you can make use of it, back it up. Make a high-resolution copy or scan it to a device so you can make use of it no matter how you are traveling. Put a copy in your bob and vehicle. You might consider laminating a paper map if it's not weather-resistant or placing it in a heavy-duty map case. Consult it regularly when trouble is brewing, even if it's just on the horizon. All that time and research will pay off when you need to decide on a course of action quickly and your map can help you to do it. So in conclusion, a threat map is not just a prop for the deranged and paranoid survivalist. A threat map made with care and intelligence is a valuable asset for risk mitigation and disaster planning. Tailor yours to support your goals and you'll greatly enhance your personal readiness. All right, guys, so that's the article. There was one comment here that I thought was valuable um, that I wanted to just share with you. James left a comment and said, Our local municipalities print an annual transit map that includes municipal buildings. I have used these for the last several years to map out meeting places for family members. I use my own coding so others will have trouble figuring out what information is actually on the map. Since these are produced annually, I review these and update them at least once a year as new additions become available and no batteries are required. All right, so there you go, guys. It, maybe if you are in an area where they're making or you have a, you know, a municipality that you can check in with and uh, they're making these for you, that would be great. And you can kind of you know, use those to bounce off of. A lot of the times, um, you know, like he was saying here, they're free and you can just kind of uh, use those to, to help you. So let me just a couple of thoughts here. I think having a threat map is very important. Um, I think you can get over, you can go overboard with it and you can really spend a whole lot of time on it. And there's just so many hours in the day and so many things that need to be done. Um, you know, so you, you kind of you know, need to balance it out. But I think it is very valuable. So if you are in a situation where you think that you're going to bug out and, and that is going to be your thing, 
or even if you your plan is to bug in but let's just say again the people that that say that they would be you know be bugging in for instance in a situation like hurricane harvey uh, they wouldn't have been able to if you know if they were flooded completely flooded out they would have had to evacuate right so it's good to have routes out like you know how would i get out of here how would i you know get up north how would i go to a family member's house it's a good idea of looking at a map and figuring out how you would go and so you know that's that's one of those things that i think is very valuable you know knowing the routes and knowing how you would get there. The other thing is, I like this idea of looking at, let's say if you're in a vehicle, a lot of the times you will go through town and you don't really think about where you are or you're not really paying too much attention to, okay, I did, I'm going through a really rough part of town and, you know, but there's no big deal because I'm just going to be traveling on the freeway and I'm just blasting through that. But what if you were in that situation and you were going through and for whatever reason, the traffic stalled out, your vehicle broke down, uh, you know, you needed to walk the rest of the way. And so you want to know where those areas are. And so at least you have a, a point of reference on, you know, in your mind where these places are. So if you need to avoid them, you can avoid them. Or if you need to like just press on and say, okay, hey, I've got to go through this or I'm right in the middle of this. I need to press on very quickly, not mess around, and I need to get through this and get on to the other side. And so I think that's a very valuable so where you, you know where things are. I don't know how valuable it truly is if you are, if you're looking at like a, you know, your town or your city and you're, you know, I guess it depends on how big it is, right? A city like Houston would take a little bit to get through. But I don't know how valuable it would be to mark down all the, you know, hey, this is a fire station, this is a police station, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, you municipal buildings and stuff. Because uh, if you are bugging out or you are getting out, you're not going to just want to stop there, you know. And especially if you, again, like a city like Houston, there are so many fire departments so or stations, so many police stations, you know, it's like, are you going to really try to map all of those out, you know. And so I think that it might be a good idea that you look at your route, right? And so you figure out how am I getting out of here? And then along that route, maybe jot down a few places that you could if you had to whatever go by, you know, you were on foot or whatever. And so you can you can maybe tackle it that way. But I think, you know, you just want to be careful not not spending so much time in something like this that you can you can lose yourself right thinking you have to plot out every little thing and uh, and stuff like that so again i would probably first make my route out and uh, or the the route and the alternative routes and and all that kind of stuff and then i would look at that route and go through that and like am i going through any rough parts of town you know, is there anything that I need to know that's on this route? You know, am I going, am I crossing over bridges that are going to, you know, the road is going to narrow and, and different things like that. And then maybe if you're not that familiar with that city, you can ask somebody with, you know, who has a little bit of knowledge, if you feel comfortable asking them about, you know, different routes or whatever. And you can, you know, see if they have any knowledge about the parts of town and, and different things like that. So I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good exercise. I think everyone should know, you know, their their city, their area, their neighborhood. And that's another thing. You might want to look at where you are in 
you know, in, in your city, in your neighborhood, and maybe you look 25 miles out, right? Or maybe you look, you know, 10 miles out. Okay, what what is out there 10 miles out? Maybe you look 25 miles out and you do a radius around your house and you get an idea of what is out there. Because if you're, let's say you're bugging in, then that would be a great threat map to realize, okay, so I've got people to the north of me that, you know, or a, a bad part of town to the north of me, right? Um, I've got a big body of water over here to the west of me. And so if I ever needed water or whatever, or there's a bunch of forested land over here. On, and so I might be able to do a little bit of hunting over there. Uh, there's a big old open land over here. Maybe our community could do some gardening, you know, so that might be something that you want to do. Look five miles out, 10 miles out, 25 miles out and just, you know, know what's there. I think that's very important is just know what is there. All right, guys. So that's it for this article. It's again, it's over at survivalsullivan.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can come check it out if you'd like and maybe read it a little bit more carefully if you are wanting to do some of the symbols and some of the uh, you know, specific things that he said in this article. All right. Well, that is it for episode 488. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Hey, don't forget, if you are new and you haven't subscribed, you can head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.